Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. It's me, Chris Denson. Yay! Yay! No? Okay. Just what? All right. Three, two, one out of three. <laughs> two out of three. Eric, you in on this? All right. Um, an audience of three and you guys, uh, in case you're tuning in for the first time, this show covers all things innovation, ideas, creativity, smart people doing smart things. And uh, today I'm here with RP Squared, Rochelle Patricia Parham. So that's a mouthful. It is. And does it, it's like it's 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 very it's like got a lot of syllables. It does. Um, and it's good. Are you are you used to saying it by now? Are you? Oh yeah, I've okay, had it my whole fly, life. Fly, okay. I've had it my whole life. All right, cool. I didn't know if uh, you know change it at some point. It's my whole <laughs> life. Nope, it's, it's the one I'm keeping. Speaking of your whole life, how do you define your life? Let's start. Let's start in the depths. I have had the best life ever. Hmm. You mean that? Uh, you know, some people say that, and no, they, I actually they, mean you it. totally I mean. It. I can mean see it in it. your eyes. I thank my mom all the time for kicking it off and. I've just had a great journey. I have nothing to complain about at all. Um, if you could define your journey with, I'm making this up as we go. If you could it. define your journey with one word, what would it be? Determination. So when I was preparing for this interview, I said, when I, I even wrote it down, when I think of you, I think two words, driven mm. and chill. Mm. Probably both. But I'm also a bit hyper. <laughs> where, where, when does hyperness show so up? So if you look in my high school yearbook, it will say um, best dressed and class spaz. Yeah. <laughs> so class in my, spaz. So in my inner where did you go circle, to school? <laughs> I went to a private girls school in Baltimore called Bryn Mawr. Bryn Mawr School for Girls. Got it. Um, so... Where you said your mom, then you thank her often. Um, where does your drive come from? And then I'll, I'll fill everybody in on what you do eventually. But <laughs> we're just having we're just fun. diving right in. We're just, we're just uh, doing it. <laughs> what do we need to fill people in on? Yeah, we're good. So, um, I attribute it to my early childhood. I believe that going to an all-girls school was one of the best things that could have happened to me. And I was there from kindergarten to 12th grade. And it teaches you, number one, that your voice matters. Number two, to use your voice. And number three, that you're a leader. And with that foundation, I've just been running. Mm. And I've never had someone tell me, no, I just keep going. Um, you said you feel 6'2", but you're actually how tall? <laughs> so that's its own story, but I'm, 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 let's use 5'3". Okay, let's use 5'3". Um, and I'd say that because you've done a lot of big things throughout your career, mm -hmm. and I would love for you to do a little bit of bragging right now mm -hmm. as far as some um, career highlights that, you know, that you're proud of. So I've had a lot of fun in my career. I've done things that a lot of people don't even know. I'd say the first kind of fun role I had was my internship in in college. So at I went to Drexel in Philadelphia and you do three six-month co-ops and I did all of my co-ops in the fashion industry working for Valentino. So I was the assistant to the national sales manager and I had an, an office that was massive full of clothes. It was just absolutely amazing. Mm. I had a clothing allowance and 
it was you, know, you don't get paid a lot of money, but I had really beautiful clothes. I mean, I was wearing Valentino and Armani, and it was great. <laughs> in college, too. In, in college, right. Exactly, exactly. And I actually ended up donating all of those clothes to Drexel University. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's that's cool. So that's my first kind of brag, and, and it was a lot of fun. Um, I The best way to describe it is I, I th- I'm a pioneer in the— in the digital space. Mm-hmm. So I joined, I was at Bronner Slossberg Humphrey, which became Digitas. And I was there for 13 years. And I was there in the early days of the web. So I mm. was, I built att.com, ibm.com, motorola.com, uh, attwireless.com. And then we had this crazy idea of what if we drove people to these websites? So it was the early days of banner campaigns and affiliate networks. And then we said, well, what if we used email instead of using it for your statement? What if we used it to actually market to you? So the early days of of email marketing campaigns. And so it's your fault I get system. all those emails. It's, it's absolutely. <laughs> well, I started my career after Digitas in direct marketing. So I've been sending a lot of mail a long time. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, fast forward, like you've kind of stayed, or not stayed, but you were like very much tied into the retail of it all. You know, um, one of the highlights for me, for you, um, was your time spent at eBay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of having this entire trajectory of like game changing moments in businesses and industries. Um, I want to go back to the the class spaz for a second, because um, <laughs> I wonder, I, like, I wonder where that shows up. Like I said, you, like you come off as chill to yeah. me, and I, I understand like drive takes a little bit of yeah. like you know power, you yeah. know, flexing um, to some to some degree. But um, how do you balance like these you know these big roles with your own personal like zen? I guess. So, I have a lot of energy, a lot of energy, and, but I'm also to your point very chill. Uh, I'm incredibly calm. And in moments of everyone at the highest of stress levels, I get calmer and calmer and calmer. And it's been like that since I was a kid. And so I'm able to balance my kind of class spaz with my really chill to actually keep people motivated and excited and and also on the right path, particularly when things are going wrong. Mm. So it's all it's worked out well for me throughout my, my journey. That's great. So, you know, when I, I, I look at... Um you're 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 very Googleable, which has made this easy. But top twelve innovators of marketing and advertising, top one hundred influential Black people in corporate America, uh, most creative people in business, fifty most influential CMOS in the world. Um, I think that takes a lot of excellence versus being good at something. There's a lot of people who are good at things. Yeah, yeah. I consider myself good at a couple of things. You're great at a lot of things. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Um, but what do you, what's what's the difference between excellence and and being good. So early on, I learned about attention to detail. So I think that's the first thing, just attention to detail and actually caring. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a marketer, you learn very early on that words matter. They always matter. And so sweat the words every time. Um, Being innovative. Uh, So coming from the agency side, I learned that you have to pitch your client's business every quarter because there's another agency trying to steal your client from you. And so just continuing to be creative and innovative and and um, thinking about what the next level of growth could look like. And then just being steadfast, you know, not not jumping off the ship, like definitely kind of sticking with things and and um, 
And and then I guess the last thing is making sure you surround it with by the right people. Yeah. You know, so having the the smartest people you can in the room around you and being able to um to just work with fun folks who you can trust and who trust you and and can be on that journey with you. And I think all of that combined creates those kind of excellent moments. I find that the the people part is interesting. A, a platform like this, right? You know, we've done 200 plus of these interviews and we're, or beyond this, right? We're celebrating individuals. Oh, Elon Musk did X, Y, Z and such and such did this. And it's just like, no, they have, t- you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people who are helping them do what they're, what they're Absolutely. talking about. Um, when you are part of a team, like what kind of traits are you looking for? You know, because I think they have to they have to be their own individual, but they also have to be reflective of you in some way or, you know, at least a methodology or me- a mode of operating. Like what what is that sort of secret set of principles you look for? So, number one, the things I know, I often know them very well. And so I don't really look for someone that looks just like me. I try to find people that look different from me. And so I often look for people who have skills that I just don't have and who can compliment me. And so that's the first thing. And then I look for people who have. Um, great energy and passion and excitement. Uh, I have a philosophy that I believe that when you take a role, you should at least know how to do a good chunk of that role. But there's a percentage of that that should be absolutely foreign to you. Right. Because I think that you want to go home and feel good about yourself, but you also want to be challenged. And the feeling good about yourself is just being able to check off that, you know what, I scored that goal and I know how to score goals. But the fact is, is like I never did a, a dunk. And so, like, to be able to, (laughs) like, dunk is really awesome, too. And so uh, I I like to mix it up. And so my teams are often really very diverse. And I mean that from the very literal sense of people from different backgrounds and experiences, but then also diversity of thought. Yeah. No, I think and I think both of those things, they work hand in hand, right? Like um, to have somebody with a different life and career perspective than you do. Because we're all solving problems, yeah, you right. know, and uh, often big problems. Exactly. Like, like, I mean, or taking advantage of opportunities, which I still think is one in the same. Right. When you mentioned sort of email marketing and, and being on the the edge of that and being a pioneer in that space. It was like, well, this digital place is here. Now, what do we do? Because so you're solving a problem. Um, but you're also leveraging something in a, in a really smart way. Is there a process or methodology you go through, you know, um, to discover some of the more uh, processes or methodologies that have some ingenuity to them? Like, yeah, let's call it like in a, in a brainstorm room or is there like, how do you, how do you keep yourself educated and then apply what you're seeing out in the world to, yeah. you know, to, to those problems? So, um, Definitely brainstorming. I think that's a, a, a big part of it. One of the things I did at eBay is I started this um, uh, this concept called Brain Ups. And I'll explain it to you. I was in the hallway one day and one of our young, smart marketers came up to me and he said, you know, we were talking. And he said, you know, if I were CMO, I would. And I just kind of looked at him like, <laughs> You're like huh? what? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm CMO. And um, but he was going on and on about like what he would do if he were me. And I thought, you know what? There's a lot of people who are not in my generation who actually have an opinion about what I should be doing and doing differently. And so I got my direct reports to elect kind of people on their team and 
to kind of sit with me. I fed them some lunch, typically pizza. And we sat around a table and I just let them tell me what they thought I should be doing. And I took copious notes. I really just listened. You know, I'd ask questions, but I really was there to listen. Yeah. And then I shared it with my leadership team. And we, I gave everyone initiatives. Like, we can be better. And if we really want to win, particularly with millennials, we need to listen to what they have to say and figure out how we can uh, create a new landscape that that includes them. Uh, why do you think some people are afraid of that level of access and or vulnerability? Right. Because some people in the room go like, hey, tell me where you think I can improve is it's it, some people look at that as um, uh, confrontational or challenging and, and, and not healthy. But I agree that it's 100 percent healthy. So, yeah. well, I'm also the person who whenever I had a review, meaning someone was reviewing me, um, my positives and my areas of development. I would bring that to my my leadership team and tell them the things that I was told I'd do great and the things that I was told I need to develop in. And so I just feel like having everyone kind of on notice on how I can be better yeah. uh, is important. And so I've I've always been that way. I think it's critical to um, to get all the feedback yeah. and to understand how we can all improve. Is that a fearlessness that you think can be taught? Because I think most of us like want to show up and have the perception of having it all together. And I talk about when people sometimes go into brainstorms. Sometimes brainstorms derail because people feel like they have to come in with the answer and not yeah. be there to explore and yeah. be wrong. Yeah. So, you know, can that fearlessness become a, you know, a, a taught attribute? Yes. So... I'm a pretty smart person. I I, I, I know agree. I know my stuff, um, <laughs> but I also know the stuff that I don't know. And so I, I think it's an opportunity for me to learn and grow. For me, I'm always on this journey to learn and grow. But the reason I think you can be taught is because someone taught me. Uh, so I worked for an incredible CMO, Antonio Lucio, who's now at Facebook. And, you know, he's the person that taught me to get feedback from the review. He, he did something I have never done, which is he sat in the middle of a room with all of us around him and he said, okay, what could I be doing differently? Like I've never been in the center of the room sitting in a chair, uh, but you know, that's pretty brave and, uh, and pretty transparent. And so I've adopted that uh, and, and continue to. Uh, and you've also continued to be very stylish. Um, and so I know that with your Valentino internships, your original goal was to go into fashion design. That's right. Um, what 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 was it about fashion that attracted you? And then what made you change? Yeah. So I have always loved fashion. And frankly, I didn't want to be a fashion designer. I really wanted to be on the business end of fashion. When I finished my co-op, they offered me a job, but I graduated during the recession and that job, that job dried up. And so I just needed a role and I took a role and kind of never worked my way back. The good news is, is throughout my career, I've been able to touch fashion. So uh, most people don't know this, but, and I don't know the stats today, but when I was at eBay, we were the largest fashion retailer in the U.S. Uh, and so, you know, I, we sponsored fashion week for three years. And, and so I've been able to touch fashion throughout my career. I, I love it. I still do. Uh, I have a closet full of absolutely beautiful clothes and shoes and and handbags. It's it's my thing. Uh, and um, and so I, I I can't imagine a time that it's not going to be important to me. I don't think I have to be in the industry, right? Uh, but it's important to me. Um, yeah. Th it along with that, um, 
was there a point in time where you were a little bit frustrated? Because I think when you have a goal and you said like there was a recession, the job dried up and then you're like, it was kind of in the rearview mirror, you know, yeah. whatever that goal was. And I know even for me, there was a period of time in my career where I was like, I, I wanted to do that. And but I'm I'm headed in this other direction and I don't know how to turn around. And like there's a, a disconnect between where you are and where you thought you'd be and where you want to go. Earlier in my career, I thought I was going to end up back in fashion. Uh, and then this thing called the World Wide Web happened. And that actually became really, really interesting to me. And yeah, we were, it was like the wild, wild west. Like we were trying to all figure it out. And it was a cool time. And, you know, I joined our digital agency at a time when, you know, my, some of my friends were like, that internet thing will never take off. You're going <laughs> to lose your job. You know, and, and I was like, but it's so cool. Like we, it feels like the future. But there's porn on it. <laughs> that's, that's, that was my argument. Well, that wasn't mine. <laughs> and so, you know, it just felt, it felt like the right next step for me. So I didn't ever regret going and in, not going into the fashion industry. I, I just kept running and doing what I've been doing. Yeah. It's been fun. Um, so at that pivotal time, you know, especially with an eBay and we've all heard the tales of retail. You know, we were talking about the mall earlier and trying to find parking and how annoying it is. And so yeah. that could be even a detractor from me going to the mall the next time, right? And yeah. so now I'm gonna shop online. Um, and But at the same time, you're seeing pop-ups from everybody from, you know, Fendi did a really cool one uh, a couple few months ago um, to whatever, Amazon opening 20 stores yeah. last year. So, you know, where what did you see happening in retail, especially at at a pivotal time while you were at eBay specifically, yeah. but just up until now, there's been this teeter totter of is it you know is it going away is it not going away um, or where's that what's your perspective on it? I don't think that brick and mortar retail is going away. I just think it's going to be used differently. I think that it's going to be you know I think the concept of showrooming, which was you know kind of the the buzzword of a few years ago. I think it's real. Um, I, I like to touch fabrics. I like to see things. I like to hold things. And so I, I don't think that it's going to go away. I just think that it works in concert and works really well with e-commerce. I just don't know that the transaction will happen in the store, but I think that the store will continue to be important. Yeah, I agree with that. I, th I think people want to see, smell, touch, feel. Yeah. They want to have an emotional experience and tapping on glass isn't going to get you there. No. You know, uh, it may, it's an, it's an entry point. It's an invitation, but at some point that product arrives in the mail and doesn't feel or fit like you thought it would. Um, or that blender doesn't, you know, right. do <laughs> do what you thought it was going to do. Well, the other thing is, you know, what what I've found, what I've seen is, you know, you said Amazon has stores. I find like online re retailers want a store. Stores want to figure out online. Um, you know, the, everybody wants a all the the folks that are online with their cooking shows. They they want to be on TV. You know, it's like it's so funny because you kind of want what you don't have, but I think it all works really well together. Yeah. Um, is there anybody you're looking at in particular that you see is is getting it right or doing doing it really well? Like no. It's hard. I think <laughs> yeah. it's hard. It is hard. I, think I it's agree. Hard. And um and. It, I, I believe you have to work in concert. I think it has to be an online, offline play. Yeah. And I don't know that, you know, anyone's really getting it, you know, totally right. Uh, particularly in fashion. I think fashion's really, really hard. And, you know, those players who early on knew that people are going to need to, they're going to order something online, they're going to try on 
10 items and return nine, like they're getting it right. They understand that mm-hmm. it, it, if you're not trying it on in a store and you're bringing it home, like the likelihood that you know that it's going to fit perfectly is not that high. Yeah. And so well, th- I think fashion is, is difficult. Well, I think also, you know, I, I, my mom taught fashion design for 20 years. So that's why I'm riffing on this a little bit longer. Um, it, and I felt like it's always, it's that one democratizing point of self-expression, right? I may not be able to afford the car or the house or the other things that express who I am, but I can go to the thrift store and get a really dope shirt and maybe spend a little extra on some shoes. And then suddenly I've got my own, you know, expression of self. Um, You know, so once we, I think when we forget that people are human and we're still focused on the transaction or the foot traffic, that's right. we're these emotional beings that need to be like coddled in in some way. Absolutely. I mean, we knew that at eBay. I mean, the thing that I focused a lot on was the fact that we were bringing buyers and sellers together to drive commerce. But the fact is, is that it was all emotion. It was absolutely all emotion. And knowing that made us think about the experience differently, made us talk to them differently, made us think about the marketing differently. Like all of that had to change because there is emotion. There's particularly on the seller side. I mean, sellers they are passionate about their thing, whatever that thing is. And knowing that and getting the descriptions right and getting the photos right, like that was all critical to actually right. making the sale. Well, what, you know, one of my favorite, I got a chance to spend some time with Tony Shea a few years ago. Um, and with Zappos, you know, their biggest thing was customer service. Oh, yeah. Like they were like, we're going to be like, people are going to like talking to us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they were sending you returns, like just being really human about the brand experience. Yeah, they were early. You know, because yeah. um, we can talk social media and we can talk, Bill, you know, we can talk all the, the stuff. But once we go like, I like you. Mm-hmm. Like you've got a customer for a very long time, if yeah. not if not for life. Um, so you also serve on a slew of boards. I do. Um, I don't know how you have all this time, but um, <laughs> I don't. But I'm hanging out with you. <laughs> somehow, somehow you made it here. I don't know. Um, but Elf Cosmetics, Best Buy, LabCorp, Scripps. You know, the list goes on and on of of this sort of bird's eye view. I think when you you know I serve on a couple of boards, but like. You get the, a bird's eye view of how these organizations and industries operate. Um, I was just curious as to like what are some common hurdles you see because those are all different verticals to some some degree. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot of just common thinking or mechanics or processes that you kind of have uncovered, uh, and I may be assuming, but yeah. So each of those boards were looking for something very specific. And in each of those instances, they were looking for someone who, in selecting me, they were looking for someone who understood how to build brand, how to think about e-commerce, and how to do marketing. And so I, the good news is I do all those things. And, um, and I, I, I've been so blessed, honestly. My journey's been phenomenal. The fact that I get to be on these incredible boards of these great companies with these amazing CEOs but then to be able to lend my expertise to the business and to help support, um, I love it. I absolutely love it. And and no day is the same and no business is the same. And each of them are in different places on the journey. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that's so much fun. And you know, when I joined, my first board was Scripps Network Interactive. And I joined that in 2012. And the insight for me was it actually made me better for for eBay. I was so much smarter for eBay once I joined that board. And 
I, what I put in front of the eBay board completely changed. Mm. So what I was putting in front of them initially was the stuff that I thought they should know. But after my board experience with scripts, I put in front of them the things that they should know. Give me an example. You know, we're marketers. Like we want to, we like the cool, fun, shiny object. Mm -hmm. And that's not always what the board wants to see. Like, of course they want to see what the creative look like, looks like, but what they really cared about was, you know, what are you doing next to drive growth on the business? It's not about what you did yesterday or today. It's really about what's going to happen in the future and what's the impact that you're going to have. And a lot of what we were doing across everything, like what I was even doing at Visa was demonstrating the impact that marketing has on driving the business. And so that all changed for me. And uh, so I'm just, I'm, honored that I was able to learn that lesson and then apply it in my yeah. in my role. And I'm a firm believer that, you know, just kind of, uh, uh, I ran the innovation practice for OMD for a while yeah. and our clients would range from Wells Fargo to Warner Brothers to, you know, Disney to uh, multiple categories. You know, the Getty was a client and, yeah. and it was just amazing to be able to take a principle or a thought from one industry and apply it to another because you know and and, there, and that's why I sort of asked like the bird's eye view because there's the principles kind of remain the same right yeah. the principles of innovation the principles of Absolutely. creativity and how they are applied just the cosmetics of it looks different no pun intended because yeah. it helps <laughs> but um uh but no I, I just love borrowing that that sort of thinking um is there anything from you know let's call it the fashion industry let's go in the reverse eBay to scripts you know mm-hmm. was there something you took from what you were doing at eBay that you're like ah this could work here at, at a scripts interactive so a lot of what we focused on in scripts in the years that I was there uh, was was all about digital, right? So it's a cable company, and we were trying to win in digital. And when you look at kind of when I got to the board and when the company was sold to Discovery, I mean, they were killing it from a digital perspective. The number of short-form videos that they created was phenomenal. They created a studio, like it was it was just this transformation of this this cable company. It was it was so much fun. You know, we um, that board we we email each other probably every quarter and we talk about how much we miss each other. It, <laughs> it was just it was a lot of fun, but it was also a growing opportunity for me. I mean, I sat around the table with you know ex CEOs and CFOs, and you know it's 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 to be on a board. You're giving your expertise and lending your expertise. But you're also learning because you're getting you're surrounded by the smartest minds in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's a phenomenal um, mix of individuals and experiences and, and all those things um, along those along your journey. Uh, Camden Partners is a is a big thing um, where you serve as a partner, general partner there. Uh, I, I'm going to not do it justice. So I would love for you to just kind of explain what Camden Partners is and, yeah. and your role there and. So Camden Partners is a private equity firm. It's based on the East Coast. It's based in my hometown of Baltimore. Woo! So when I go to our board meetings, I stay at my mom's house and, <laughs> and I have dinner with her and it's super awesome. You tell her thank you again. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I am, um, I, I joined Camden Partners because it felt a bit different from some of the other private equity firms that I'd been speaking to. And frankly, they were, it, it's just a great group of people. We focus on on investing in growth stage companies, lower middle market. And um, it's just good people. Honestly, it's just good people. And so it was very, very new to me. 
it was I've never been an investor before. I've never raised a fund before. Uh, it, so it was very new to me. But when I showed up, particularly my first year, I just spent a lot of time with our portfolio companies doing the things that I've always done, what I did at Digitas, and, and which is helping companies to grow. And so spending time with CMOs and CEOs and helping them think about their strategy. And, and so that was fun for me. And, you know, so you, you fly in, you're with some folks for a couple of days and you fly out and it's, it's, um, it's great. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's different. Uh, but it's, um, again, I'm learning, right? I'm, I was going to say, what, to learn. what was, what was the biggest point on the learning curve? You know, kind of stepping from corporate into this, you know, this investment landscape, um, I'm sure it functions a lot differently and a lot in the same in some ways. But what was that big thing like? You're like, oh, I didn't know it was like this. So I was very afraid, afraid of raising a fund. Uh, so you afraid? Yeah. Uh, so we <laughs> so we we're raising our sixth fund. Yeah. Uh, and we just had our first close of our sixth fund, and it's my first fund. And I just didn't know what to expect. However, it feels a lot like new business at an agency. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I ran new business at Digitas uh, at Chicago, our Chicago office, and so it felt like that, uh, except it's just different players. And so I've just... I just do what I always do. So I go to these conferences and I tell people I'm new to private equity. Well, the conversations I have with folks who are like, oh, you're new to private equity? And they just want to sit down and give you insights and tell you <laughs> what to do and introduce me to people. I've met more people just through this process just because I've been yeah. transparent and said I'm new. And uh, and so it's been it's it's different. It's different. You know, yeah. I, I'm not at a place where I can say it's fun but it's definitely different yeah um but in a positive way it's um it's just an another um notch on my belt to you know cool things that i'm able to do <laughs> you know what i like about you huh is that you can tell that you like you i do it's I, like I'm it actually, shows i'm actually my biggest fan and you want to hear something else <laughs> i'm the funniest person i know oh oh well yeah you haven't met me yet no um i am you you know you're pretty hilarious the, the few conversations <laughs> we have we talked about detroit for a minute and i was like okay detroit. we can hang yeah we can well hang. we come from similar cities yeah so um have, has that always been a part of you because I, I think some people go through life transitions to get there to get to a point where you're kind of in love with yourself, right? I, I posted something on Twitter the other day, and I was like, it was at the beginning of the year. And, um, you know, we spend so much time like, thank you, everybody, or thank you, client, or thank you. I was like, have you thanked yourself? Right. You know, when's the last time you did that? Remember Snoop Dogg thanked himself? Oh, did, I didn't when know. When he got his Hollywood walk. Oh, did, his, oh his right, he sure did. <laughs> he thanked himself. Um, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm a positive person, mm -hmm. and, I, I've th and I'm a good person, and I treat people well, and, you know, I, I, I like me. Yeah. I'm pretty awesome. No, but it's just interesting that it shows in, in your in your in your glow <laughs> there. Um, so when um, when do you stop? Because I mean, your career has been pretty flourishing, and you know you've got a lot of things you can do and that you want to do. Um, not necessarily when do you stop, but what keeps you going? Like what's what's what excites you on a on a daily basis? So I don't see stopping. I don't know when I would stop, but I don't see stopping yet. Mm -hmm. um, I really do like learning new things. I like meeting new people. You know, so you, you talked about when we met and we had these long conversations and we talked about me sitting in this chair and now <laughs> I'm finally here. Like, I like meeting people. I, I like 
asking them lots of questions. So doing what you do, I enjoy doing that. And so I can't imagine a time where I don't have that opportunity. And the fact is, is if I can do that and get paid for it, that's even more awesome. And so I am not planning to stop. I do want to keep learning, though. Yeah. And, you know, so you mentioned I'm on three public boards. That's really so that I can keep stay sharp and be in the game and 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 continue to learn. Yeah. Are you a learner by doing because, you know, I, I'm a I'm a reader. So yeah, I, uh, let me rephrase that because I don't read that that well. Um, but, <laughs> but I'm a skimmer. Like, you know, I got my fast companies and my, you know, uh, my different. And I'm not a skimmer. I'm a reader. Oh, see, I'm like, oh, OK, I think I get it. And like I read an article today about Ikea introducing robots in their kitchens and yeah. I'm, like trying to figure out that part of the retail and home experience. Yeah. I'm like, OK, I saw like I saw the head. I did not read the article and I, I actually shared it. <laughs> so um, uh but also, so reading plus doing. What's um, how, what? Yeah, what's what's your learning? What's your best learning process? Listening and doing. Mm. That's my best learning process. Yeah, I think that's an overlooked quality, and it, or we talk about it a lot. Yeah, um, and we've learned it in grade school: active listening and not and being attentive. Um, in a practical sense, where does that show up for you? Like, how do how do you execute on that? I don't want to glaze over, you know, I think it's an important thing. I ask a lot of questions and I, I, I just listen. Right. But I'm also probably a little nosy too. So I, I can get distracted. You know, Mm -hmm. so like if we were sitting in a park and having a conversation and people walk by, like, I'd I'd be like, Oh, look at our shoes and look at those pants. Or, Or I was in the bank today, believe it or not, I was in the bank and these two guys walked in. It was, they were older gentlemen. And one guy said, you know, there have been a string of bank robberies. And I was like, who talks about <laughs> bank robberies <laughs> at in the, the bank? bank? And so then I said to the, t- this could have gone down so badly. So I said to the teller, I said, did you hear what he's talking about? She said, no, I tuned everyone out. And I said, he was talking about a string of bank robberies. And she said, he said he was going to rob the bank. I was like, no, 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 no. You're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> At all. I didn't say that. But, um, you know, so I just, I, I'm, I pay attention to all my surroundings, frankly. I, I, I don't miss much. Yeah. Like, so someone will say, oh, you saw Chris today. What did he have on? And I'd be able to tell from head to toe, like, your pants have, like, a slit at the bottom. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't miss much. Thanks for that. I don't miss way. much. These are my embarrassing pants. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm there's, there's, those are zippers. These are actually... <laughs> I want to make sure the audience knows I'm just wearing pants with slits in them. <laughs> it's um, your Prince moment. <laughs> exactly. My butt's out. <laughs> um, yeah, I, that, I love that because it's I'm the same way. Like I'm really nosy and I, like sometimes for just because I want to, I, I like the depth of yeah. why people do things and how I'm people the operate. Same way. And I think also, I tell people this all the time, like growing up in Detroit and you're like, you had to be aware of what was around you. And yeah. so to be able to turn it into some form of business skill. Is but I think that's why we're marketers, too. Yeah. Right. Because we're we don't miss anything. We pay attention to everything. If the details really matter, then you figure out how to nuance those details and, and figure out how to sell it to somebody. And those details like, look, you know, people talk about data all the time. And it's like I look I look for like the really crazy, quirky data points, you know, yeah. um, I just helped a friend write a, a little write-up and we were talking about voice and, you know, all the new sorts of, now we know what the most, you know, 
what happens uh, in curiosity in the home. Mm -hmm. You know, what are people asking for? What are people like searching for? So then it just changes the landscape. And I want to know like the little weird nuance. You go like, ah, that's a nugget and be able to to take advantage of it. Um, You did a little bit of a reverse move recently. What I do? You you, was a moonwalk. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I did do a moonwalk on a stage. Steel toed boots. I know. (laughs) These these are good ones. I haven't worn these in a while. Wait a minute. Did you just say you really did do a moonwalk? I did on stage at an eBay. Um, leadership summit. Oh, cool. <laughs> it was surprising for me because I don't think I've ever publicly done it, but it. Did you, did you, was it premeditated? Or did you get up there and you felt a moonwalk? Happen? We were playing Michael Jackson. Ah. And so you play MJ, you might need to moonwalk. You might have to moonwalk. Uh, but no, not not that reverse move. Okay. <laughs> um, you became a founder. You you have you I have did. a startup. And I although do have a startup. We can't discuss the stealth details. We can't, <laughs> but I will with you one day. Yes. I, I'll come back and talk about it. Absolutely. Um uh, I have so many jokes in my head, but I can't I can't <laughs> say. So that is another new space you're entering, really. You Completely know. new. Yeah. Absolutely no. First of all, why? Why did you do Like, what was it? You're like, ooh, I'm getting in on that. Because I, I find like there's a very few investors or people who are like at the apex of organizations that go like, I want to get back in the trenches in, yeah. that, in that capacity. Yeah. So one of our portfolio companies, it, it, it just made sense to figure out how to spin it out uh, into a direct-to-consumer business. And we were just trying to figure out whether it would be a business that lived within the company or whether we would spin it out. And it just made more sense to spin it out. And we brought it to L.A. because we there was a lot of great talent in the industry. And and, you know, I hired a CEO and he's been hiring like crazy. And we're going to launch in March. Uh, we'll start shipping product in March. And so it's been fun. I mean, I just. Like I said, I've never done it before. Mm-hmm. And so just defining the company and the mission and and making sure that we know what the product assortment's going to be and how much it's going to cost and um we we you know I looked at the Kurgit yesterday or you know like for the packaging and mm. you know dealing with logistics and stuff coming from China and just like I just haven't dealt with that side of it before and then hiring people and getting them to believe in something that does not exist yeah is not that easy, yeah. but it does come down to n- knowing your stuff, but also showing your passion for it. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't that hard to get the CEO to join because he saw my passion for it. And he said, you know, if you're in it, then I should probably in- yeah. be in it too. And, and so we've been able to attract really great talent. I just, I'm, 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 thrilled about the whole thing a little nervous because i've never done it before a lot of it is going to be very very marketing dependent Mm -hmm. so we have to nail that but i'm not the cmo i'm not the head of marketing i'm not any of those things and so but you you are all those things yeah i am i am but not for that but but that we do have a head of marketing you know and so just being able to do what I do on boards, like lend support but not do the gig. Yeah, uh, is um, is going to be important. And then I'm an executive chairman. Like I've been an operator my whole career, and so to be able to kind of sit back and be the person that the CEO asked questions of. He texted me last night about something. He emailed this, me this morning. Like I'm I'm in it to give him thoughts and guidance, but I leave him alone. 
you know, yeah. and, and, and people have said to me, why didn't you want to be the CEO? And trust, I've thought about it because I was asked to do it multiple times, but I'm really loving being executive chairman. Yeah. Like, it's a cool job. What's interesting, too, you know, st- sticking to your guns, right? It's something you could do. It's, it, it, it's a difference between, and my daughter who's here wrote a, 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 a what was that, a high school entry essay question about passion versus being good at something. Yeah. That's right. A good, like a you're good. you're good at you could be a CEO. Mm-hmm. Right. And it goes back to the earlier thing, the the excellence versus mm-hmm. being good at something. Um, and just because a lot of us will go, everybody wants me to do it. So I'm going to do it. Yeah. Right. And, and we don't we, we might not even realize that that's the reasoning. We've yeah. just been like bombarded with all this input that we think it's our decision. Um, How do you go about just sticking to your guns in that? Like, what is there like an emotional thing that you follow? Is it a strategic move that you want to make? Like, or is it a mix of all those things? It's probably a mix of all of those things, but I do believe we have to be deliberate. So the example I'll give is when I left eBay, I was going to take a year off. And during that year, I got a lot of phone calls and executive recruiters and this job and that job. But I felt like that was probably the only time in my career that I was going to get a break and that I needed to honor it. And so I kept talking about that God gave me the gift of time and I needed to honor that Mm. time. And so I was very deliberate in giving myself a year. Well, in the first four months, I was like, what if I never have another role? What if I never have, you know, like you go through that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then... got to stay relevant. You got to... I got to... Right. I, uh, you, you're so used to being active. And, right. And being in magazines. Yeah. You know? yeah, like, yeah, exactly. like it's, I mean, and so... But one of... So I have a personal board of directors and one of the members of my personal board of directors is like, you need a break. You've been working your butt off for years and like everybody knows who you are. Just chill. Mm-hmm. And so I chilled. So I went to my house in Martha's Vineyard and... And just hung out and threw parties, and it was awesome. I should have known you that year. Yeah, we should have. Well, we <laughs> I could have had that time machine. I still throw parties in Martha's Vineyard. You just all right. There you go. Cool. I just I'm I'm writing it down. You wrote that I'm down. I'm writing down the address. What's the, what's the address? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll write it for you. Well, first of all, I I love the fact that you have a personal board of directors. Yeah, I do. Um, which is something. It's a new concept to me. Um, I mean, I, I, I understand it in theory, right? Mm-hmm. Where, uh, but like, I think you used a very important word, which is deliberate, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And so, like, we all kind of seek advice and talk to our friends or people that we know that know better than us. Um, how is this personal board of directors structured? I'm sure it's not like a, a, a on paper agreement, unless it is. It's but. not, but it, it may as well be. Right. So my mom, mom always says, like, why do these people just answer your call whenever you call? Um, they are my personal board of directors. They know that they're on my personal board of directors. There's nine members of my personal board of directors, and I have a chairman. And the chairman has been in place for a number of years. And how it came about is I was going to these same people asking them questions about me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, should I go to, to Visa? Should I leave Visa? Should I go to eBay? Should I join this board? And I was just going to the same people over and over. So I decided to formalize it. And when I formalized it, it was the smartest thing I could have ever done because people want to be associated with something that's interesting and doing cool things. And so they were all excited to be on it and they give the best advice. And I don't always 
take the advice, mm-hmm. but it's great to have inputs from people you trust. And it's great to have people who know you, who can call you on your stuff. And so like, so my chairman, when I was joining eBay, he's like, look, you traveled 80% of the time at Visa. Now you're going to travel 80% of the time at eBay. Like, you said you didn't want to travel that much anymore. Why are you doing this? And so then we talked through it and got to the right place. And so, you know, everyone really gave me kind of the, the best feedback. And when I decided to leave eBay, it was the same thing. I talked to every single member of my personal board of directors up until the, the moment before I resigned. That's amazing. Uh, I'm, and I'm totally stealing it, by the way. Will you be on my personal board? <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, is that people always say to me, will you be on my personal right. board of directors? But it, you, it needs to be no. someone who really knows you, who really knows you and can, um, and it needs to be. You're breaking my heart right now. Well, no, we, no, we can I'm, get to I'm, know I'm each kidding. other better and I'm then kidding. we can talk about it. But it's mine is very diverse. Men yeah. versus women, people of color, like the whole bit. Like it looks like the best board of directors ever. Yeah, that's amazing. And my, they're kick-ass people too. Excuse my French. That's okay. I I slipped up earlier myself. Um, but she's in all girl school. So uh, see? see, girl power. See what you can do. Girl power. <laughs> Speaking of girl power. Yes. Um, and you mentioned diversity earlier. Um, and I can't help but notice that you're a woman of color. Uh, and especially when I look at Camden's website, and it's very homogenous. But you said they're great people, and I'm not. Yeah, obviously, they are. Um, do you find a need to be vocal when it comes to equality in any way? Yes. So when I was at eBay, I ran our women's network for the whole time I was there. So John Donahoe, when he was offering me the role, he said, and I want you to lead our women's network for North America. So for a lot of my career up until this very moment, I've been a strong advocate for particularly women. Uh, And so I keep a list of women who should be on boards. And just for the last three days, I've been just sending their names out to executive recruiters. I do it every quarter. Like people are so sick of me, but I do it every quarter. And so I do um, speak out uh, in particular about women and also people of color. And there's a lot of cool things that I'm I'm working on right now that'll be interesting, too. And so yeah, it, it's important. I, I believe that diversity in business and on brands is really, really important. And being able to. Um, have diversity of thought, which comes from having true diversity, mm-hmm. uh, is the difference between a good company and a great company. Yeah. You know, so when I look at my Best Buy board, I'm so impressed by the fact that we are like 65% women on that board. Yeah. And as of our last board meeting, we have three African-Americans. Like, it's, that's a big deal. Yeah. And, but it represents the customers, right? The customers are not oh, homogenous, you know? And so... If you can look like your customer base, that's a big deal. And I think also just with the idea of, uh, you know, a broader customer base and this whole conversation around equality where there's Brian Cranston playing someone who's disabled or uh, I forget who was, it was Scarlett Johansson in the um, uh, the, the robot lady movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and people like get upset. But I also think it's a great opportunity for brands to widen their audience, whether it's, I mean, there's 52 million people in the, in the United States alone that live with a disability. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and no one's really talking to those individuals. Right. Or one thing we have advised Wells Fargo on was, 
you know, once the marriage laws changed mm-hmm. and we're like, nobody's talked to these people about how to manage their finances as families. Right. So, you know, there's there's this broadened sense of opportunity that also comes with it, just brass tacks business, right? Let right. alone just this diversity of thought in the room. Yeah. Um, so as we wind up, I have so many other things I want to talk to you about. That's why we have to do a round two. I know. We're, gonna do, we're definitely going to do a round two. I love two. it. Maybe and, I could come and on. March. Awesome March. Yeah, yes. I guess so. Yeah. See? Love it. <laughs> um, um, let's see. What kind of remains your personal mission through all this stuff? Um, how do you want how do you want to affect people when they encounter Rochelle P. Parham? So I I first love my family. I love my immediate family. I love um I, I love to be able to to be a part of their lives and to support what they do. So that's important to me. Uh, I I have been an advisor to Girls Who Code for years, and so just making sure that girls have their rightful place in technology mm-hmm. is important to me. And um, just being a good person and, and finding the right people to work with. And, you know, so there's a woman on our team at, at my startup, and five years ago, she's like, one day I want to work with you. And I was like, we're going to figure this out. It took five years, but here we are together. And so just being able to surround myself with great people and learn from them and, mm-hmm. and give knowledge as well. And like, that's what I want. I just, it, I, I'm, I'm so blessed and so thankful. And I just want to just continue on this journey doing it. How yeah. I've done it. I love your sense of wonder. And I wrote this down as you're talking is, uh, Paulo Coelho wrote a book. He wrote, he wrote several books. Did you read it or you skimmed it? No, I read this one. It was an easy <laughs> read, though. Um, <laughs> as that's why I like reading this book. Like, okay, mm-hmm. oh, this is, but it's basically it's a, called Letters from Accra. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a, a city is about to be invaded war, so they know they're all about to die, but they want to know all these philosophical questions. So they go to a guy who's been living in the town for you know the last 15, 20 years, but he's a stranger. And so they always went to him as a wise man. Mm-hmm. And I was almost that wise guy, which would have totally changed the meaning. Yeah. Yeah, that's like Tony Soprano. Right? <laughs> He's like, oh, wise guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, they asked him about death. Mm-hmm. And they said, uh, you know, each chapter starts off with somebody asking a question, and then he answers that question in flowery language. Um, and this one was like, oh, what about death? And he's like, most people are taught to, you know, live every day like it's your last day. You know, do all the things you And he mm-hmm. said, I prefer to live every day like it's my first and walking into every situation like it's you know the first time I've seen it with a sense of awe and wonder and I like yeah. I just I see that in everything you say like it's just like it's new you don't know what it is but you figure it out and you know with a smile and so I just wanted to kudos you for for that so what the folks don't know is that I'm smiling really big because you actually hit on something and you don't even know you hit on it my mom's a cemeterian oh, really mm-hmm. and so I grew up surrounded by death my, my mom. And so wow. at, ever since I was a little girl, my mom has been a cemeterian. And so the dinner table, I heard, you know, stories of, you know, families and their situation or someone's died or someone's about to die. And, and so I have learned that lesson about you have to walk into life like it's like it's a new day because mm. you you got a new opportunity at life every day, yeah, every day. And so I'm just humbled and thankful because of that. And I also have learned in that process that I actually think about death very differently than other people. And I'm probably, while my, over the, as my mom gets older, she's more affected by death. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm even more affected by death. Hmm. How so? 
we've had a lot of deaths in our family. Uh. And it's just really hard. Yeah. And my mom's a very like, be strong. Let's, you know, you know be strong. And I, and I am, I, yeah, but boy, is it hard. Yeah. And so I, I'm, I just become very emotional. And so, you know, I, my cousin passed away two years ago and we were raised like brother and sister. And I, I think I talked to him every day. Yeah. Pretty sure I do. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, just things were my, I went to, I had the pleasure of getting a private tour by David Copperfield of David Copperfield's museum <laughs> that is not open to the public. What? Super crazy. That's amazing. Super, it was yeah. by far one of the best experiences of my life. Wow. By far. And, um, but my cousin loved magic. And when we were little kids, he always did magic tricks. So I was there. I was emotional because of my cousin. I was in awe because this museum has Houdini's estate or like all you can't can't even imagine this it's amazing it it was incredible and um and you know there's a side of magic that's a little like dark and eerie and there's a side of magic that's a little like wonder and interesting and there's a side of it that's fun and um and then there's a side of it that's sad Mm. and so it it played with every emotion that I had I left there exhausted yeah and it was at 11 45 p.m. (laughs) <laughs> and we left there at one thirty. Wow! It was eight people, and David Copperfield. That's uh, that's dope. Like, it was dope. Yeah, <laughs> it was dope. Um, the show's called Innovation Crush. Um, you've seen a lot. You've done a lot. What aside from your own stuff? I said no. It's awesome. Um, what do you currently have an innovation crush on? What's something out there that you see? You're like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. I've seen some cool stuff in AI. Mm-hmm. Um, I am pretty fascinated by the connected home. Um, just because of all the cool stuff that Best Buy has been doing, just yeah. being on the board, I get to see cool stuff. <laughs> like the idea of, you know, we, we, our house is a connected home. It's pretty, in, but it's not like as dope as it could be. Yeah. And, um, and, and, you know, just some of the new technology that's coming out is, is just amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And then, you know, there's the simplicity of it too. Like I had a contractor show up this morning and he said, what is this smell? What is this smell? And he walked, he, I came outside and he, and I have these flowers. I mean, these bushes in the front of the house, one of them is a lavender bush and the other is some other bush that has the smell that like everyone who walks by the house, that's all they smell. And so I just believe that in a world where we have all this great technology and we have all this access to data and we have a the opportunity to really manipulate a lot of situations and, and, you know, we are the future. We're the future that we saw as kids. We are right. in it right now. And that's awesome. But we still have to stop and just see life. Yeah. That's great. And that's what it reminds me of this morning. Agreed. Um, last but not least, complete this phrase for me. <laughs> that was the first time I saw you not smile. Um, innovation to me is? Curiosity. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, any, where can people find out more about you um, or a project you're working on? You want, this is your chance for a shameless, shameless plug if you, if you have one. Stay tuned. A lot of stuff's happening in March. I'm very, very Googleable. Um, some of it's 
awesome and some of it i don't know i, I didn't find the too. dirt good i wanted to find there's no dirt I'm, I'm, I interview too we'll do we'll find the dirt i don't have a lot of dirt but um <laughs> yeah I, i've i've learned a lot and um and i'm happy to share what i have and what i've done and it's been great so and i'm just appreciative to be here you're killing it and oh, this was you. a lot of fun i didn't hear any joke jokes but um yeah, i'll wait you know, for that next time you know you're the funniest person you know. So I am the funniest I, I didn't person wanna, I know. I didn't want to compete that is, with you. You wouldn't have. Trust me. <laughs> no competition. Trust me. I am the funniest person I know. Everyone, this has been another installment of Innovation Crush, recorded right here at WeWork, we.co slash crush for more information. And we will talk to you next time.